This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship on Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There's a place for you here. For information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the fourth chapter. When evening had come, Jesus said to the disciples, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. Then the wind ceased and there was dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know about you, but if I were out in a boat about to be swamped by a sudden storm... I would be just as frightened and panicked as the disciples were, not to say amazed that anyone in the boat with me was sleeping through it all. Now, we know as an article of faith that Jesus is the incarnate one, both human and divine, two natures distinct but not separated. On this occasion, we see the power of his divinity appearing in the stilling of the storm, showing he has power over even the forces of nature. But since he's also human, I can't help but wonder if Jesus wasn't smiling, maybe lovingly, when he says, Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? After all, what other reaction might he have expected of them? So Jesus, perhaps in a friendly, kindly way, kids them a bit, I suspect. Hey, You should have known I'd pull this off. But whatever. They were simply amazed and began to see something about Jesus they had never seen before. And their question, who then is this, is also the question of our lifelong faith journey. We know what we say of Jesus in the Creed, and we speak of his extravagant grace and the belief that he is our Savior. But no matter what we know of him from the Bible and going to church, we still must ask how we are to understand and trust him as we meet him at various stops along the twists and turns of life's way. He appeared to the disciples in various ways, through teaching and parables, through surprising and wonderful acts, through challenges to the religious pretensions of the day and their leaders, breaking taboos in favor of mercy, 
in many ways, casting out demons and finally defeating death, the death of the cross. As the disciples came to know who Jesus is through these many different ways he showed himself, so he shows himself to us in many different ways as well. Ways that speak to our lives. Who then is this? He's many things. Jesus comes to us presented as the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one of God, in whom the future of God's reign is revealed as victory over death, justice over oppression, and harmonious communion and union with God, one another, and the whole creation. In this, he has given us the one thing we need to live, hopefully, in what is an often seemingly hopeless world. He has given us a future in which to hope. And we are then called as people of God to bring that promised future to life by a witness of love and grace that kindles the hope of others and in so doing leads us ever deeper into who we were created to be as God's children. Who then is this? He's our Messiah. Jesus reveals himself to us also as Emmanuel, God with us deep in the intimacy of sharing our flesh and our brokenness. Have we been hungry or thirsty? Jesus was hungry and thirsty. Have we known the sorrow of loss? Jesus could weep at the grave of Lazarus. Have we known dread? Jesus knew dread as he prayed ardently in the Garden of Gethsemane. Have we known betrayal? Jesus was betrayed, even by his friends. Have we known pain? Jesus knew agony on that fateful day. Have we known the sorrow of estrangement from loved ones? Jesus, bearing the estrangement of our sin, became estranged from the Father and cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He suffered our estrangement and death that we might have life. Who then is this? Emmanuel, God with us deep in our flesh. Jesus, John the Baptist tells us, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There will no longer be a need for sacrifices of old, of lambs brought to the slaughter for the sins of the people. Jesus' sacrifice is the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. The people who brought sacrifices to the, in the felt need to atone for sins no longer need do so. And so we also need not amass good works for the satisfaction of our sins, lest we be condemned. Forgiveness is, is ours as the free gift of grace through the Lamb of God. And then good works flow freely and abundantly from the joy of that freedom. Who then is this? He is the Lamb of God who takes away our sins and sets us free to love. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Like sheep known for wandering off and needing a shepherd to care for them and protect them, we too 
have at times wandered in some way or another, or been threatened by the hazards of life that, that come to us all at some time or another, we can call upon our Good Shepherd. He will not run away, turn his back on our plight, but is with us to the end, with us also in raising up others of his people to give support to his wandering or endangered sheep. Who then is this? He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep and provides under shepherds to care for us. Jesus is our advocate with the Father, so says John in his first epistle. In life, when things go terribly wrong for us, we need an advocate or advocates, persons who will stand up for us and support us. We may be hurt by someone's cruelty. We may be misunderstood and therefore falsely blamed or placed in a bad light. We need support when things go wrong in life. Sometimes we get it and sometimes we don't. Sometimes people just don't understand our situation. But Jesus does. But more, even more important than the support of others in life's trials is Jesus' support of us in the face of God's judgment. He is our advocate in God's judgment. We cannot answer for our sins. Jesus does with the righteousness he bestows upon us by pure grace. Who then is this? He is our advocate with the Father who stands up for us no matter what. Well, Jesus is also the Prince of Peace. Isaiah foresaw this when he wrote, For a child has been born to us, a son given to us, and he is named Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Peace is a sign of God's rule. It is the promise of a world devoid of the horrors of war. It is hope for an end to the pains of estrangement in relationships that go badly. It is the promise that calls us to a life of seeking reconciliation rather than nurturing hurts or accepting divisions. The Prince of Peace calls us all to reject wholeheartedly all the isms that destroy peace through hatred and division. And his love and mercy can still the storms within our spirit, within our spirit as we struggle against the impulses and emotions that divide us within ourselves and deny us the serenity of spirit and the wholeness of God's shalom. Who then is this? He is our Prince of Peace. Jesus we call Lord, and we call the prayer he taught us the Lord's Prayer. To have a Lord is to have a master to whom one owes obedience. And indeed, we are called to obey his commandment to love one another. But his command, though difficult to fulfill at times, is not the command of a hard-driving taskmaster who seeks to secure obedience through threats of punishment. Rather, he loves us into loving 
He gives us the grace we need for the way. He makes us good trees so that we bear good fruit. He makes us the light of the world and the salt of the earth and then says, be what you are. In our culture of individualism, we often think the ideal is independent self-sufficiency. But that can end up being a very lonely ideal indeed. To have a Lord is to belong, to belong to one who cares for you, guides you in life, and you together with all his people. No one else can have you. No one else can be your master. Who then is this? He is our Lord who has claimed us each and made us his own now and forever. And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and sea obey him? He is our Savior in so many ways. And time after time throughout life, we discover him anew as though for the first time. In today's parlance, when anything good is called awesome, he is the one and only one who is truly awesome like no one else and nothing else ever can be. Amen.